Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Please take your Bibles and go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. You know, we've been in this series for the last few weeks called It's Time to Upgrade. Turn to somebody and tell them it's time to upgrade. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you're telling your spouse, I'm going to find somebody else. <laughs> All right, that means that it's, you're talking actually about yourself, really. It's time to upgrade. Time to upgrade you. And, and just by walking through some of the scriptures, we find that it is really the Christian experience that we continue to grow and continue to come into new things. And you know, it's incremental. You don't see it. You, think about how many years you've been looking in the mirror. Some of you should look in more often, but uh, before you go out the door, I'm not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you don't, but you've never seen, think about it, you've never seen yourself grow. You've never physically seen that happen, but you know it does. But it happens so incrementally, but consistently. And so with the Christian walk, your walk with the Lord, many times it's hard for you to see the progress, and you'll find that other people really make note of it, and they'll, they'll even comment to you about it. So you don't have to worry about that so much as seeing the evidence of it as just the doing of it. And, and we have all of the ability to do this and to come into greater things in our life that we never get settled for where we are. Because think about it, heaven is the standard. <laughs> Someday we're going to the most, the greatest place, the most awesome place we could ever imagine. I thought Disney World was pretty cool. I thought being on a cruise ship, that's been pretty cool. Marrying this woman, yeah. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But heaven is so far beyond what we can know in this natural world. All the wonders of this world, they all really pale in comparison to where God lives and where he's going to bring us someday. It's, it's, it's hard for us to wrap our finite minds around an infinite experience, around an eternal thing. But God has, has we, just some of the descriptions in the scriptures that we have of heaven is just far beyond what we could really put it, uh, into words. But so that helps us understand that since that's true and since we are all really citizens of that place, as Jesus said, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. He said, I'm of a kingdom that's not of this world. I'm here, but that my stay here is just for a moment. I'm part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a place that will never end. There, there are, nothing will ever go, grow corrupt. Nothing will ever rust. Nothing will ever grow old. Aren't you glad that you're getting someday a new body that will never wear out? You know, when I was 20 years old, I, I, I wouldn't even thought about that. But being 46, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to be happy about a, a new body. <laughs> Things don't move as quickly as they used to. Hurt a little bit more, too. But we are going to receive a glorified body. A body that will, an actual body, but it will be an eternal body. And I'm grateful to God for that. He, he has saved us, spirit, soul, and body. But understanding that, understanding that, that, the scripture, we talked about Romans chapter 12, be not trans, uh, conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there is a part for us to play in this deal, and that is to take responsibility with our thoughts. Take responsibility for how we think, and uh, you really can help what you think, even though maybe you've said, I can't help it, that's the way I think. Well, yes, you can. Yes, you can, and the sooner you take responsibility for that, really, the better your life goes. Um, a lot of times we just don't really like to take responsibility. We want to blame others or blame situations or, you know, 
uh, give reasons why we don't need to change or why we are the way we are because somebody did something to us or somebody said something because this was my upbringing. So, you know, I get a free pass to just act like an idiot. It's not true. We are, we are all made in the image of God. And being that, then he has called us to represent what that looks like in the earth. You know, you're made like him. You're made in his likeness. And he has made every one of us, designed us to dominate. Not to just take life as it comes, but to dominate. To dominate in your world, to take dominion and to take authority, to act like him in the earth. Amen. Uh, so just based on this, I wanna, we're going to go to an interesting story in the Old Testament about these four men who had leprosy and what God did following their decision. They made a crucial decision in their lives. You know, the, uh, Israel had come uh, under, uh, they'd been come under siege by the Syrian army. The Syrian army had surrounded the entire place of, of Samaria, actually, which is the capital of Israel at the time. And they had surrounded this capital city, and they would not let anyone out, or they would not let anything come in. All importing and exporting stopped immediately, all right? So that made it difficult. The supplies were running low. And then to boot, a famine came to the land. So now food is scarce. They're in dire, dire situations. As a matter of fact, I want to just read to you um, what 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 25. I want you to go to 2 Kings 7, and we'll start in verse 1. But this is, this is the situation that they were in. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. Imagine that. A donkey's head, which, you know, I, I guess they just had to start eating their donkeys. I don't know if that's normal. But they did. And 80 shekels of silver, and then to get, and then to... to Make really see how b bad the matters were. 80 shekels of silver and one fourth of a cob, I guess some kind of measurement of dove droppings, all right, which is bird poop. One fourth of a cob of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Imagine it costs five silver coins to get a little cup of dove poop. Make a broth out of it. I don't know what they did with it, but they, they were just trying to survive. They were in de a desperate situation, you know, when that's. When that's what you're eating, you know, you're living in some troubled times. But that's not even the worst of it. This goes on to tell us that the famine got so severe, these people were so hungry, they were starving to death, that there were these two women who made an agreement that they, they both had babies, and one of them said, today we'll boil my child and eat him so we can survive and if you'll boil, boil your child tomorrow so we can eat him, so we can just survive one more day. They made this agreement. The first lady kept her into the deal. The second lady, she just couldn't go through with it. So you can all imagine. But they're starving. They're wasting away. And the king of Israel decided that this was the man of God's fault. I'm glad I, don't, I pastor a church where that doesn't happen, that you don't blame me for all the trouble in your life. But they were blaming the prophet because the prophet had talked about, he had, he had foreseen this and he had even prophesied these things because Israel was turning from God. So here they are. And so the king says, this is Elisha, the prophet's fault. And he even sets out to go after him to have Elisha's head removed from him, but it doesn't happen. But he does tell the king something. In chapter 7 and verse 1, look what Elisha says to the king. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two say as a barley 
for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. How many of you know that that is an absolute economic miracle? That they can go from 80 shekels of silver for a donkey's head to everything balancing out in one day. He said, tomorrow this will be the case. Tomorrow. It's not going to take a process of time. This is happening tomorrow. So that they could understand that when the word of the Lord has been declared, this is why it's so important for you and I to declare what, the, what God has said because tomorrow we could see its results. We could see it in the next hour. Because God is not bound to our timetable. And it can happen in just a moment. I personally have seen and witnessed God do marvelous, miraculous things in just a short amount of time what would have taken any of us years to accomplish. Say this with me. Doing nothing changes nothing. Number two, explore your options. Number three, look for a favorable outcome. Number four, take action. And number five, God will magnify your efforts. Let's look at verse three. This is where we come into the story. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? You know, sometimes that's a good, simple question to ask you yourself. Why are we sitting here until we die? As bad as it is inside the city, it's even worse outside. Not only are these four men lepers, but they're also starving. So now they're just waiting. What's going to kill them first, starvation or this disease? Or maybe a combination of both. Day after day, they just sit there. They sit there. We don't know the condition of their disease or how progressive this disease was, but leprosy is an agonizing and a very debilitating disease. As a matter of fact, I looked it up on WebMD just to see how agonizing it is. And there, these are just some of the things that come along with it. Blindness can happen, disfiguration of the face, infertility, kidney failure. So far, so bad, right? Uh, muscle weakness that leads to claw-like hands or an inability to flex the feet, permanent damage to the inside of the nose. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. It's an awful, awful condition. And so according to the, the law of Moses, uh, lepers could not mingle with normal society because it was extremely contagious. And so they, they would send these lepers outside the camp. And we can pick that up in Leviticus. Let me just give you a little bit of snippet so you can see what these lepers were bound to when it came to the law of Moses. They're sitting there, they're sick, they're starving. These guys are just waiting on death. And then Leviticus says, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. So if anyone got within a certain distance of these lepers, they had to let them know that they had the disease. Unclean, unclean. Can you imagine introducing yourself like that all the time? I think that might help. Uh, I think that might hurt just a little bit your self-confidence. Unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. What a really, what a terrible thing. Not only did they get diagnosed with this disease, but then they have to go live outside. Outside of the provision, outside of the social uh, uh, pleasures of life where they can mingle with other people. Outside of being able to worship in, in church with all the other people. They're outside and now they've formed this, these leper colonies out there. And they just kind of wait to die. The question poses a, a truth for all of us to ponder. Why are we sitting here until we die? Maybe you're in a place in your life today where you really need something to change. You're stuck in the same rut over and over again. You can't continue. Things cannot continue as they are. Something has to give. Something has to change.
whether it's a relationship you have found yourself in, maybe it's your financial situation, or maybe you're battling some stuff in your health, maybe you're battling some stuff in your, in your body that you never knew you'd have to deal with, but now it's become a chronic issue, maybe a bad habit or sickness, whatever it might be. Why are we sitting here until we die? Because I think I've lived long enough to figure a few things out, and some of these from my own personal experiences, and I have found that sitting really is settling. You start to settle when you sit. And, and it's the crippling decision, this crippling decision to accept things as they are. And then it's this, this monotony of motionlessness, see, that continually sings its lethargic lullaby to you. Go to sleep, go to sleep. You can't change the situation anyway. This is your reality. This is your lot in life. You're just going to have to take it as it comes. So then we kind of repeat that kind of thinking. Well, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> just kind of taking it as it comes see, and accepting it. This is not what God has called us to. Doing nothing changes nothing. Say that. Doing nothing changes nothing. This, this father came into his house one day, his dad, and, and his teenage son is sprawled out all over the couch. I have a teenage son that sprawls all over the couch. Hangs off the edges in every way. His dad comes in and he sees, sees his boy laying there watching TV, and he looks up TV, sees he's watching, he's watching Gert Gilmore Girls. Dad kind of frowns at him, what in the heck? And he goes through the house and goes out in the backyard and works for a while, comes back about an hour later, Teenage son still laying there, sprawled out on the couch, still watching Gilmore Girls. Finally, the dad said, boy, I've never seen you watch this show before. Why in the world are you watching this girly show? And the boy said, I don't know, Dad. I can't find the remote. <laughs> Sitting is settling. Sitting is settling. You continue to stay there where you are. Nothing's ever going to change. Things, they're they're going to produce nothing new for you by just doing nothing. And the longer you sit, the longer things stay the same. And the longer things stay the same, the more comfortable you come in the sameness. I know I'm not talking to anybody here. This is not relatable to anyone. I'm talking to other people that go up to other churches, obviously. The more comfortable that you become, the more reasons you find to stay exactly where you are. Listen, this is, this is the problem with us as humans. This is the common issue. But God has called us something greater than just settling, something greater than just sitting. And there is a place, there is a Brazilian commander that was invited to go out to Berlin to their military uh, of history museum. And as he was being given the tour, he was looking at the planes, the, the planes from past wars, and, and he was fascinated by their the archaic kind of way that they used to fly and the, the way that they would, their instruments were and the, even their, their fighting their guns and all that kind of stuff. And just fascinating about all of that and seeing how they've progressed through the years. And, and he comes up on a plane he didn't really recognize. And so he asked the guy about this plane. He said, oh, this, this is a particular special plane. It's, it was made for special missions. He said, climb up in there. So this, this Brazilian commander gets up in there and being a pilot himself, there are a lot of things on the instru instrument panel that he recognizes, but there was one that caught his eye. It was kind of on the lower left portion of the dash there call it a dash, whatever it is, and there's a clock with like a red light on it. And so he asked the guy, he said, what is that instrument 
I don't, I don't recognize that. He says that was for those special mission, missions, and the, a lot of these secret missions were flown on this plane, and so these, these pilots had to fly stealthily. He said, so many times they did things um, with no lights on. I mean, they, they were flying in the dark and as quietly as possible. He said, so that red light would come on to indicate to them that now they were at the place where the limits of their fuel were. And so they would know by the, that light indicating that they had enough fuel to turn around and get back to base. And so they had some time to either turn around and go back or complete the mission. And he said, history has shown us that the best pilots, bless you, the best pilots have been those who have pushed past the turning point. And I want to encourage you today, don't let fear keep you. Don't let only what you know keep you from pushing past the turning point. Because they're going to be tempted along the way to look back. You're going to be tempted along the way as you start taking steps toward new things, toward greater things, to just feel the difficulty of that. Because it's unknown, because it's, it's not what you, you're comfortable with. It's not what you recognize. It's not what you're, what you're familiar with. And you'll be tempted to go back and listen to me. Press through. Keep moving forward. God is in this with you. Don't forget, He's in this every step of the way with you. And that's why you can always take courage, even when you feel you're out there all by yourself, alone, even your family members think you're crazy. Maybe even your spouse. And maybe I've told you that. But listen, you've got to know that when God is leading you, when He's got a place for you to come to, when He's got promises for you to realize in your own life, He's got better things for you than you can bank on. If that's what He has for you, then that is absolutely what will come to pass to you who will believe it and take those steps and push past. Amen. So then they said in verse 4, we'll be done in about 10 minutes, all right? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. So these lepers are talking, right? They first asked the question, why sit here till we die? The next thing is, if we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we'll die, we shall die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, We'll only die. I love the logic of this verse right here. That talks right to Eric Hall. I'm like, man, that makes perfect sense. If we stay here, we die. If we go in there, we die. If we go out there, we might not die. And in the words of the great theologian Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. That was it. Listen to me. This is where you explore your options. Say that with me. Explore your options. So now they're looking around. They think, okay, we need to assess this, and let's put some reason on it. You know, God did give us a brain to use, to think, to reason. And so they just started putting it together, okay? Dead, dead, maybe dead. What do you say, guys? The best we got is maybe die. It's interesting important that you know where we are. The scripture says, let a man examine himself to see whether he is in faith. It's important that you look at your life, look at your thinking patterns, look at your, what's coming out of your mouth on a regular basis. What am I talking about? Why, why, why are these negative things happening to me? Why is this happening? Maybe it's because you're talking those things into existence. Without even realizing, we just have a propensity to be negative. Without, not, not on purpose. But we live in a negative world with a negative system. And so that, that system is always coming against the righteous thing that's in you, the good thing that's in you. 
and trying to squelch out the voice of God, trying to squelch out the reality of His promise in your life. So they just want you to behave like everybody else behaves. Right? How's it going? Same old, different day. Heard that, man. I mean, think about it. How often we just come into agreement with negative things without really thinking about what we're saying. Listen, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. This message hit me before it hit you today. God always steps all over my toes, and then I get to step on yours a little bit. So, But we just do it. And I think that if we, if we really start paying attention, if we really become aware of what we're saying, what we're thinking, and start taking responsibility and making some changes along the way, my family, we're going to see what we really want to see. That thing that burns on the inside of you, that heart's desire for real joy and peace, it's really not that far away and it's really not that difficult. Sometimes you just got to explore your options. Where are we? All right. What can we do from here? What can we do from here? What's the next best thing we can do? Because your life is made up of choices. At the end of the day, it's just, what's the next decision? What's the next step? And not be overwhelmed by all those that lie ahead of you. We stay here, we die. We go in the city, we die. We could surrender to the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we'll live. Let's go for it. And look for a favorable outcome. This is an awesome thing. They saw the silver lining. I mean, it wasn't a lot of silver, but there was something. There was a chance. Look for a favorable outcome because I want to remind you of something today. God is on your side. He's not holding your sins against you. As Alex said earlier, he got over that. He put all the blame on his son Jesus so that now you stand blameless before him. What is it that you want? If you'll see yourself truly as he sees you, then you won't be afraid to ask for anything from him. But religion has lied to us for many, many years, and it continues to make us think, well, something's wrong with you, and you've got to fix that if you, first before you can talk to God. You've got to fix it. You got, there's something wrong, you need to fix it. Something wrong, you need to fix it. No, Jesus fixed all my wrong. He fixed all my wrong. Yeah, but you still screw up. Yeah, I know. I know, but I'm still trusting him. I still trust he covered it all. Because if he didn't, I'm screwed. <laughs> Thank God. Where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. God, God had all that figured out long before we ever came along. And so you can look then for a favorable outcome. Just yesterday, Heather and I uh, signed a contract for a new home, which we're very excited about. Because we've been um, living in this one-room apartment over here. And like I said, that teenage boy that sprawled all the way across that couch, when he's there, you ain't got anywhere to sit. But we've become really close, haven't we? <laughs> Something about that when Scripture says, for, for this cause shall the two become one flesh, right? They shall leave their father and become one flesh. Man, when you get close and, and you know, stuff starts rubbing together and then the, the, the bumps and all that kind of stuff, it becomes very uncomfortable, like sandpaper. And you figure out what, whether you really love this person or not. I'm talking from her perspective. I'm totally madly in love with her, and I mean, I'm just lucky she's still around. But for her, I'm, it's a tough deal. So I need to pray for Heather. But it's been, I mean, it's been a challenge. It's been fine, you know, in, in a lot of ways. I, I'm grateful to have the wife I do, who she's just easily adaptable to anything for a while. 
But yesterday we closed on this. I thought this was really interesting. Come to find out the owner of this. I want to talk to you about this after church, Steve. This is pretty cool. The, the guy who owns this house knows lots of our relatives up in Thackerville. And um, he said, you're from, you're from Thackerville? I said, yeah. He said, he said no, y'all don't say Thackerville. Y'all say Thackerville. I said, then you know Thackervillians. You said it like that. Anyway, he said he named some people who bought property from up there. So we immediately, I just, I'm like, I like this guy. And... Um, he said, well, for some reason, my wife really likes your wife. And I said, well, I know why. And Heather said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to spend too much time with her then. I want her to keep that same image of me so she doesn't know me any better than that. But we'd offer, we made an offer on this house, and it was a lot lower than what they were asking. So yesterday, he told us, we have an offer basically for what we're asking for the house. But my wife really wants to sell this to y'all. So we're going to sell it to you. We, we made an offer of 50000 less than what they were asking, and they took it. You can expect, listen, you can expect a favorable outcome because that's what he wants you to expect. Because you have a God who's fighting for you, who's on your side and who gives you his favor. It's not about deserving it. He thinks you do deserve it. So that's what he gives you. Amen. So take everything that he has for and be expecting good things. Don't be expecting disaster. Don't be expecting gloom and doom. Don't be expecting things to fall apart. Expect victory in your life. All right. I said 10 minutes. Now I've got two. Take action. Verse 5. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. I need four guys, just right quick, four guys. It can be a girl too, all right? You can be a leper if you want to be. Who wants to be a leper? <laughs> all right. All right, so here's these guys. They're, 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 they're leaving their camp now. I want you all to just, all right, walk like lepers. You're going to have to limp probably or something, or maybe one of you is missing a foot and... and you know, kind of get, get into the part. I want you to come in, coming this way, all right? Just walk across there. You're all work, walking together, all right? So this is what's happening. They decide we're leaving. We're leaving camp. We're going to a place where we might or might not die, all right? This is what's happening. This has got to be a pathetic-looking scene, right? As this is, obviously. But listen, they took action. They calculated it. They reasoned together. They explored their options, and then they took action. All right? Once you figure it out, take action. Take that next step. The Scripture says a man plans his way, but the Lord orders his steps. So you can know that God's with you in this deal. He's with you in this deal. He just needs you to take action. And as they started taking action, a miracle happened. Now watch this. Verse 6, For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear... The noise of chariots and the noise of horses. <laughs> this cracks me up. These four guys are out moaning and limping through the night. Go ahead, moan and limp through the night. Kind of night of the living dead looking scene, you know. All right, so they're walking dead for you younger people. Okay. So they're walking through the night. And then, and then, but God, by their action, made them sound like, Horses and chariots are coming after the Syrian army. Right? So look what happens to these Syrians. 
the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. So what happens? They run for their lives. What the, this is what they're running from. <gasps> Hopefully they'll take us in. And then when they get there to the camp, nobody's there. They had no idea that they were running from them. All right, thank you. Let's give, let's give our four lepers a big hand. Great job, guys. These guys had no idea. They had no idea what was actually coming in the natural. God started magnifying their efforts. I'm here to tell you, whatever action you take, you can know that God is going to put His super on your natural. Amen. He can make miracles out of simple, everyday, practical things. You know, the Scripture says we lay hands on the sick. Just that action, just that action right there. It says, and they will recover. Something happens in that. God gets in on that. One last story. My friend Stephen, where is he? Oh, he comes and plays guitars and then, and then leaves when I preach. And that's why he's my friend. No, he stays for the whole early service and then leaves after the second, just so you guys know. But years ago when I lived out in San Angelo, my brother and I lived in this farmhouse out in Grape, a town called Grape Creek, with Grape Creek, which is just north of San Angelo, a little bitty farmhouse. And um, on, in the back porch, or on the back porch, coming in, it was kind of a screened-in area where they kept like some feed bags and stuff like that, just kind of a pantry, outside pantry. And then you go in through the back door into the kitchen. Well, one night, I was coming home. Brandon and, and Stephen were at the house. My brother and, and Stephen were at the house. They were hanging out. So we had a long driveway coming up. And so I thought, I'm going to scare these guys tonight. So I pulled up in my car and, you know, got enough, enough speed. So I turned it off and I just coasted up in the night up to the house. They never heard me come in. And so I, I, uh, I got out of the car. Actually, I was not going to scare Brandon. I was going to scare Stephen. So somehow, I don't remember how it happened. I got Brandon's attention to come outside to where I was. I said, I want to scare Stephen really bad. I said, what I'm going to do is come in this little pantry side over here. And I said, I'm going to hide here. And I said, I'll make some noise. You guys come out looking for me. And I said, and then, and then I'll make a noise. And then you tell Stephen to go in that pantry. And so he says, okay. So I go in there. I make the noise. And Brandon says, what was that? I could hear him. <laughs> what was that? Stephen's like, I don't know. Get the gun. So Stephen runs and grabs the shotgun. Brandon's got a mag, a, a, a mag light, flashlight, you know. And so they're walking outside, and Brandon, at this point, is thinking, i got to get that gun from him. i got to get that gun from him. He's going to kill my brother. So they're walking outside, and, and, uh, and they're, they're looking out there. Brandon's shining the flashlight, and finally here in a second, he goes, hey, man, let me see that gun for a second. I want to make sure it's got ammo. You know, just some, some, some reason to get it. So he switches with Stephen. So they... They're coming back in the house, and boom, I make a noise in there just as they're about to come in the house. And Brandon, Stephen goes, what was that? And Brandon goes, I don't know. Go look in there. Brandon with a gun, right? Go look in there. <laughs> so I see the flashlight. I see the light shining there, and I, it's coming in, coming in closer. And as soon as he gets around the corner, man, I come out like this. And he starts clicking this flashlight on and off at me like this. <laughs> if it would have been a trigger in his hand. He would have blew me away. He's still thinking he has that gun. It looks pretty ridiculous. Whatever effort you make, 
may feel really ridiculous and it's not getting you anywhere, but you can know that God will magnify that effort. He'll get in this thing with you, and He is a very present help in time of need. Just know that He has victory waiting for you. He has a better thing. And so don't settle. Don't stay where you are. Doing nothing changes nothing. Explore your options. Expect a favorable outcome. Take action and know that God will magnify your efforts. Amen. Let's stand together. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for these precious people. Those that are here with us in the service today, those that are watching right now on our live stream, and those that are listening to our podcast as well. Thank you, God, for your blessing upon them. I pray, God, that the peace of God and the grace of God will be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, you need to make <clears throat> some decisions. Maybe you're in a situation where you're just kind of stuck and you need a new start. You come to the right place. You know, one thing I found about the Lord is He is the God of many, many new beginnings. His mercies are brand new every day. Every day. And he wants to go forward with you. Don't hold yourself bound by what happened before or what should have happened or what could have happened. Come to what's real. And the scripture says that the Lord gives us a future and a hope. Doesn't matter where you've come from, but right now is what matters. What today will you decide? What new choice? What new direction? And if you'll just submit that to the Lord. And right now you can just say, Lord, help me in this. I want to do this. I'm going to make a new start today with you. I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to take that action. Whatever that looks like to you, just, just commit that to him. Say, Lord, I need you in this with me. I can't do it without you, but I know with you anything's possible. So I choose to move forward. I choose not to settle, not to just take life as it's handed to me, but really take my rightful place in this world. And get everything out of life that you have for me. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon all these. And that the peace of God right now will just guard the hearts and minds. There are some, who God, who are so discouraged. Who are just tired. They're just tired. It's hard for them to see doing a new thing when they just feel so weighed down by what they already have to do. But Lord, I just pray now that you, who are our burden remover, would come and help them feel that today, to remove that burden, to not be daunted by what's ahead, but, but to accept what you say, to raise your word up as the highest thing of their, the highest center of their focus, God, so that these things can really be seen in perspective. It's really not impossible. It's really not over. It's really not done. It's not finished. It's not too hard. God is with you. Thank you for your help now in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Lord. If you're here today and, and you're, you're battling something just physically, some kind of sickness or chronic pain, I don't, it doesn't matter what level it's at, whether the worst kind of disease or just a sniffles, don't matter. The Lord cares about all of it. If you're there where you are if, if, or if you want to just stand in for somebody you know is having some health, just raise your hand where you are. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you right now for your help for these. Lord, you intentionally. Jesus, you took stripes upon your back so that they could be healed. That's not wishful thinking. That's the truth.
And we thank you for that. Your body was broken so that their bodies could be made whole. So we declare that they are healed in Jesus' name. That every tissue and every cell and every fiber of their being, all their human makeup, Lord, would receive your healing word, would receive healing impact in Jesus' name. And that it would drive out every form of sickness and dis-ease and pain in Jesus' precious name. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.